Minister Teresa Ribera, first of all, I would like to thank you for accepting uh, our invitation and congratulate for becoming the Progressive Person of the Year. This is a tradition for FEBS. Whenever we produce the Progressive Yearbook, we choose someone who represents the main achievements of the previous uh, year and uh, in Spain to defeat the far right, like the Spanish uh, socialist government did in the July election. It has been a fantastic achievement for many unexpected. But secondly, at the time of the Spanish presidency of the EU Council, to fight for the climate agenda and to ensure that um, the, the objectives and the tools of uh, climate policy of the European Union remain there, I think uh, altogether this definitely justifies uh, this choice. So congratulations and if um, you have a little time I would like to ask a few questions because you would uh, be able to share your thoughts with our viewers in Brussels. Thank you, thank you so much. It is a great honour, it is a great honour to belong to this family and it is a great privilege to have the opportunity to have work with uh, you all for such a long time in such a difficult circumstances. So thank you. I feel quite honored, but it is a collective uh, job and I am very happy to have the opportunity to exchange views with you. Okay, let's start. Um, the first question uh, would be about the urgency or we speak about climate emergency. And I was wondering why so many people do not understand this. We often say we are in a 24th hour regarding climate change and there's so much needs to be done and so quickly. Why, in your view, many people do not accept or do not understand this? I think that everybody understands that uh, there are strange things with the climate and that the explanation makes sense. So I think that uh, this is not anymore something being challenged by a large majority. But what it is true is that um, too often we have the impressions that uh, there is not a clear understanding on the importance of what it is happening and on the need to react in a very quick manner and deep manner and a very cross-cutting approach to climate policies. My impression is that to a certain extent it's a kind of um, um, self-protection. It is difficult to accept mm. that we need to change so many things in such a short period of time. Mm. So unless it is reasonably easy to make uh, the necessary change in our behaviours, we try to, 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 to stay in our comfort zone, so not to, not to, not to accelerate these changes. And I think that um, we, with responsibilities, with public responsibilities and with the personal conviction that uh, politics uh, do need to serve to citizens, are obliged to find a way to make uh, the decisions easier, not to hide the reality, mm. not to stay as if nothing was happening, that could be very dangerous and could be backtracking, but uh, to facilitate the transformation in a socially fair, just manner and to allow people to experience the benefits of doing things in a different way. Uh, could you give us a few examples from the recent years? What measures, what main steps the socialist government of Spain has been making under your leadership in the field of climate policy? I think that there have been many positive experiences, some of them were not easy. When we um, entered into power in government uh, last uh, June 2018, we knew that we had to face uh, out uh, coal in Spain. 
there was not much uh, mining activity already, but there was. And there were a uh, relevant number of power, uh, of coal fire power plants. Uh, and of course, for, for, uh, for the people working in these areas, in coal areas, and uh, for union people, this was an important, um, an important thing. For generations, it was the, the most relevant way of uh, making their lives in the different families, in the different territories, and apparently there was not so many alternatives around. And uh, we, uh, we decided to go ahead, uh, trying to promote a, a, a fair transformation, a just transition in this area. So ensuring that the social policies, but the creation of new opportunities of work and the, uh, and the pride of having contributed to the prosperity of Spain along decades, mm -hmm. uh, with um, many relatives that uh, had very painful uh, experiences in, in the mining activities, was a reality. And it has happened. It is not that people is uh, very happy because uh, everything is fantastic. There are people who are happier and people who are less happy. But uh, there has been not a uh, social class or a territorial class because we have invested in a very focused, uh, with a very focused approach and taking into consideration uh, the aspirations of the local communities, what they wanted to do, where they identified the add value of creating new uh, activities, and then we were there to facilitate and to find the ways to support their decisions, but ensuring that they could count on these uh, on these uh, supporting measures, both socially and in economic and industrial terms. This is, this is something which is very important yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and the initiatives that came out uh, in these areas were very interesting in many cases and uh, curiously uh, in these areas people finally feel proud of uh, the capacity to have facilitated the change. Mm, this was something which was relevant. The other thing which was very important was to the discussion on on energy, energy transition to experience a new a new approach on how we can uh, produce and consume energy differently, how this could be um, a good reason to feel again proud of what we do because uh, there was the innova the innovation approach, the skilling and reskilling approach, the new jobs uh, creation, uh, um, the uh, the lower share of uh, the big uh, utilities in the electricity market. Uh, and the capacity to reduce the bills uh, thanks to the self-consumption and the uh, renewable energy solutions. And this was also very important. But these are not um, the only cases. Energy is a very important piece in the climate and environmental policies that create um, positive effects or that uh, create negative effects. But on the, uh, on the side of environment, connected or not connected to climate, there are very relevant things that have an impact on people. I'm thinking about water, water planning, uh, introducing in the, in the modeling to identify what type of infrastructures and what type of management of water uh, we need. The fact that climate change does already exist and it creates a different distribution of, um, of water. It uh, may mean lots of water flooding, so the risk, the flood, the flood risk uh, does change, uh, um, or it can mean uh, severe and longer droughts, and it creates uh, tensions on the availability of fresh water for uh, households or for agriculture or other consumptions. So we need to think in a different manner, how to be very effective, very efficient, how we can reuse water, how we can introduce additional infrastructure and how we can create a different culture dealing with water.
Same for the relation with um, biodiversity, ecosystems and the social and, and territorial development in those areas that are directly connected to Red Natura, uh, to Natura 2000 sites. So how, how we can ensure that uh, having a in protection, an environmental protection uh, level for any particular site uh, does not prevent uh, having uh, activities and, and economic prosperity in the surrounding areas. It's not a threat, but it is something that could be used in a different manner. And, uh, and again, this, this requires much investment uh, on, at the local uh, mm. level, on the ground. Sometimes with um, uh, difficulties in terms of the social discussion, how, uh, how we can uh, ensure that uh, the local population and the local authorities uh, do embrace uh, the alternatives and do feel uh, part of the final decisions, this ownership of what they want to be. But that's at the national level. But probably what it has been very impressive in this, uh, in this uh, last years is that we have experienced that the world is very small mm. and that very small uh, virus can stop the whole activity all over the world and create very serious problems not only in terms of health that of course but also in economic terms and in, in terms of uh, social impact and how we should uh, take uh, notice of the importance of counting on, on resilient uh, public services to be in a position to, to provide uh, care, to, prov to provide protection and alternatives in these difficult moments. And I think that uh, this has also been uh, quite an experience for all of us. Uh, and all the different um, side effects that this has represented uh, all along our countries in Europe could but could have been solved in many different ways because it could have meant the implosion of the uh, European project, uh, it could have meant the implosion of the internal market, it could have meant coming back each one to his or her corner, uh, avoiding solidarity and uh, I think that thanks to this progressive thinking that was at the very beginning of this European cycle, so how we can build a new a social green contract with uh, citizens, how we could uh, bet on the um, Green New Deal, how we could make uh, a, together a, a much better response to the current challenges, we were in a better position to, to face this, uh, this well, problem. Exactly, I wanted to ask you about the EU dimension because you emphasized uh, the local action, I suppose in different regions of Spain, but uh, the EU Green Deal is probably something that opened a new chapter. How do you assess, because it's, you know, about four years are behind us, the, the aim but also the implementation so far? I think that we are pretty demanding. We ask ourselves doing always uh, everything very well. And from that perspective there may be people thinking that what we have done is not enough. But I think that it is very impressive what we have done collectively. I think that we have um, rapidly uh, introduced in our own understanding of the European values that the green is an European value mm -hmm. and that the social dimension of the green transformation is an European value and that 
this was in addition a very good opportunity to uh, export our values and the way we think we can relate to other partners elsewhere in the world. So through the multilateralism, but enhancing these these green social values. And I think that the Green New Deal has been quite a good representation of what all of this means. It is through regulation, but it is also through a different perspective on how to build European policies. And uh, uh, I think that it has also been very important, again, when we had particular crisis, and now I'm not referring to the COVID crisis, that uh, had a very different response when compared to the previous economic financial crisis, but also uh, with the energy crisis, with the energy crisis that was impacting differently in the member states, we also, we all knew that we had to react uh, uh, in a consensual manner, acting together, but with the flexibility and the solidarity that the situation required. And I think that this was part of what we had been learning by doing through the previous crisis experience, but also through the anticipation and the, um, and the developments that we had already promoted around the Green New Deal. We knew what we had to do. Yeah. We knew that probably that required additional flexibility, but we had a response on how to address these questions, avoiding energy poverty and providing what it could be needed in, in certain countries more than in other countries. Mm -hmm. Beyond the EU level, there is also the global and um, you have been helping FEPS already in 2019 when we organized a big event in uh, New York uh, uh, aligned on the United Nations uh, uh, summit. And how do you see uh, the development of the global diplomacy of climate change in which you also have participated? I think that uh, this is something we need to invest much more in. I think that this is very important and that Europe uh, has the capacity to, to play hard in this, in this agenda because uh, it is um, very close to our own uh, values, as I was saying. Uh, there has been very relevant moves. Now everybody understands that building adaptation is not just a local issue, that there are transboundary effects connected to the climate change impacts. If there is big droughts in Africa, there could be problems of to access to water, to, to, to food, and that could create tensions, and that could create migration, and that could create additional, I don't know, local problems, so maybe violence. So there could be uh, issues that could go beyond the border. So yes, we need to work uh, at the global scale. And uh, in these uh, turbulent times where we miss uh, governance platforms that allow us to discuss how to solve problems, certain problems, uh, violence uh, and, and wars, for instance, but not only, uh, I think that we have the chance to count on a platform to facilitate governance on climate as a global problem. And uh, we need to pay attention to that and to take care and to build around this platform. And yes, adaptation, resilience, losses and damages being suffered most in uh, most vulnerable countries uh, do call, do knock on our door and um, we Europeans uh, need to 
craft carefully how we can respond to this, how we can facilitate a broader investment in a much more climate safe future, which is of course part of our efforts coming from our public budgets, but not only. We need to think how private investments could be played differently, how we could move the development banks towards something that it is much more consistent in development terms, so to be uh, resilient, uh, sustainable in the long run, uh, how we can ensure that uh, uh, this is something that is taken increasingly into account in, uh, in, other, in other capitals, in other, in other countries. And, um, and I think that this perspective is, uh, is much more clear right now. So the concept, the mere concept of uh, climate justice as something that uh, does relate uh, countries among themselves, but also citizens within the same uh, country or generations uh, uh, in, in any country, uh, is uh, providing a new type of uh, approach to climate policies at the international level. When you say there is a generational dimension, do you mean that young people would be more sensitive to the question of the climate change? And if this is true, should they not have a greater say in the consultations and the development of the policy? Well, I'm, I think that uh, young people uh, do experience, do understand and uh, do have a much more uh, real uh, intelligence on what we talk when we talk about climate change. It is something that is not uh, a new incomer in their concerns. It is something that they have uh, grown up as part of uh, their their question marks, what mm -hmm. this is going to mean for me. So yes, I think that the, the way they may shape the problem or they may think on how to face the problem uh, is different. And this is also an explanation why we see this, uh, this uh, anger in some of uh, the, uh, the young activists once they understand the, the deep a problem that uh, we are already facing and that will be increasingly bigger. Uh, they react uh, with anger because they say, why in hell you do not react as it, as, as it deserves? Uh, um, so yes, I think that there is a much more uh, clear understanding. The second thing is that uh, um, my conviction is that we need to find ways to ensure that the way young people may shape the problem or may provide answers to the problem are taken into consideration. We are talking about something that will be part of their day-to-day -day life. So the way they think today and the way they own the problem and the solution is very important. And sometimes we have this temptation to say, yes, I, pay at, I, I listen to you, but then I forget about what you say. No, I think that it is very important to keep this, um, this dialogue between generations in a, in a very um, committed manner, because in fact, uh, we need them being in the decision-making process, and we need ownership uh, also on their side on how we can respond. The first element I still miss is uh, a much more uh, clear um, conversation. I mean, the general public conversation is still quite either vague or uh, defensive. It's not so 
uh, assertive in terms of proposals on, on how to how to, to solve. I think that it is good, it is important to be honest, uh, dealing with the information and with the, 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 the assessment being made by researchers and scientists, but uh, that is the first stage. Then we need to say, then what? How we can solve this? And in the how we can solve this, they have a very important role to play. Not to overcharge young people that mm -hmm. need to be studying and working and making their, their, their vital decisions uh, and not just solving problems that have been created by others. But I think that uh, this, uh, this, this, this has a large room for improvement. Mm -hmm. You have already mentioned the social dimension. But I would like to ask you once again about the concept of the just transition, because uh, very often uh, we highlight the importance of making the transition to a sustainable economy and society just and fair, and what uh, you think uh, would need to be brought forward in, order to, in, in addition to the existing ideas, because there have already been made some uh, measures in order to ensure that people are compensated, people are reskilled. But what could be done in addition to to ensure that the transition is fair and just? I think that uh, this is a concept that uh, was um, used uh, uh, for a very long time uh, related to coal. Mm -hmm. So it was yes. not climate in general got coal. So workers in the coal sector, because it was the first thing to phase out. Uh, then we identified that yes, because the transition is going to be very intense and very quick, uh, we need to prepare workers for the new skills being required by the market and reskill those that today are working in sectors that could not be uh, lasting uh, for a long while for a long time. Then we introduce a second dimension. Hey, the transition time may have a um, distributional impact mm -hmm. that may be not fair. A transitional cost that may be not fair. A, um, for instance, market instruments, price signals, may be very effective in terms of the cost signal to take decisions on investments. But it may be not fair for consumers because this cost could be finally translated to consumers and the consumers that have more difficulties to invest in a change could be paying for longer time a larger share of their own family income. So, yes, it is important for workers, it is important for consumers in the transitional period. Then I think that there are other dimensions that also relate to the physical aspects of the climate impacts. I think that uh, the cost of the physical impacts of climate may differ from different groups depending on their own vulnerability, physical vulnerability or social vulnerability. And, uh, Again, it may be uh, worthy to think in the long run uh, how we can organize the um, urban agenda or how we can retrofit the, the homes or how we can do many things in terms of infrastructures. But in the very short term, 
there may be transitional costs that cannot be uh, um, covered by uh, the people with, with less resources. So these are dimensions that need to be taken into consideration in the design of policies and that should be also taken, should taken into consideration in the updating of the fiscal and tax policies mm -hmm. and in the social policies in general. And I think that this is something which is a beautiful duty for progressive thinkers. I mm -hmm. think that this should be part of um, our agenda, how we are going to live in a warmer world, mm -hmm. what type of social impacts this may have how we can ensure justice and just access to the basic resources and services for everyone. I think that there are dimensions that, uh, that are related to justice uh, and, to, and to this uh, climate challenge. Uh, why on climate challenge and not on other big changes? Because I think that we cannot, uh, um, we cannot manage uh, the, the time period I think that it is so clear that we have to do so much in such a short period of time that the transformation is intense and it, it could create a, a huge a, uh, injustice if we do not take into consideration the um, uh, uneven impacts that it may have in the different groups of the society depending on their own capacities to, to face this challenge. My final question is this, are we in a defensive uh, struggle? And I'm asking this question because uh, 2024 is going to be a year for the European Parliament elections and we are witnessing um, the centre-right perhaps stepping back from the commitments of uh, the climate policy, the Green Deal and the you know, various political tendencies by, might be more ambivalent than before in terms of the determination which is otherwise needed. So are we now in a phase when we simply defend the policies or it's also possible to bring forward new ambition and further necessary measures? To me it would be a great mistake to stay defensive and uh, coward against these accusations because in fact it is the, the contrary. In fact the ones asking for doing nothing are the ones that could be accused mm -hmm. of being responsible of the injustice that could create not tackling climate as it, as it has to be tackled. And I think that it, what it is very important on our side is to sound and to act in a convincing manner. We know what we have to do. We need to stress the social dimension. We could not act without a very committed social policy behind and social values behind us. So people at the center but taking into consideration what climate means. And we need to ensure that people has early access to the benefits of the change. So if we are investing in the energy transition, we need to ensure that people has access, early access to lower prices of energy because the renewable energy cost, operational costs of renewable energy are lower than the traditional way to produce electricity. If we are talking about water security, that water is accessible and, and, and insured everywhere. If we are uh, talking about the urban agenda and healthy cities, that we start in the popular neighborhoods, so mm -hmm. to ensure that those that uh, have um, poorer uh, houses and um, uh, higher bills in, in, in relative terms uh, for, because their houses are 
badly isolated or have long distances to, to, to the center of the city, can count on green neighborhoods and well-isolated houses because there is this public initiative supporting, facilitating this, this type of investment that at the end is a social investment too. So I think that, no, we need, we need to build something that not only brings hope, mm -hmm. brings envy, brings willingness to do more and understands that now this um, solidarity, social justice is uh, very much connected to, to the Green Agenda. Thank you very much for this uh, encouraging conclusion. Um, and uh, I thank you for your time and uh, for the conversation um, which we just had and congratulate again to becoming the Progressive Person of the Year. Thank you.